0: students still can spend their whole time in the states without making an American friend or entering an American home. And I think in a big American city, that's even more true. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javet, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host.
1: Hello and welcome back to our urban voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed, and today I am joined by Elizabeth Wolf, a campus minister to international students. Our topic today focuses on student ministry, especially to Muslim students. According to Pew Research Center, in recent years, there has been about a million international students in the US, except for the 2020 to 2021 academic year, where when um, international travel declined. A little more about our guest, Elizabeth. She is a small town girl doing ministry in a big city as campus minister to international students. She's, uh, pa- uh, she's been passionate about unreached people group since college and went overseas for a year in pursuit of Bible translation. It was there that God got a hold of her heart toward Muslims which is the last thing she expected. She is still on a learning curve with the incarnational ministry to students, but is excited for what God has in store. Thanks for joining us today, Elizabeth. How are you?
0: Good. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be a part of this.
1: So before we get started, please tell us very briefly about your family, I believe family is so important because it helps to humanize us as people and uh, as ministers of the gospel.
0: Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for asking that question. Um, So I have at least two generations of Christians behind me. So my grandparents on both sides um, were Christians, um, and my parents are believers, and they're still growing in their faith, which I think is awesome. my mom homeschooled me and my two sisters, so we're pretty we're pretty close knit family. Um, I also have a couple of missionary aunt and uncles, so you know, growing up, I had a category for overseas missions and reaching the unreached. So I think I think that shaped a lot of who I am.
1: That's awesome to hear. Um, all right, so let's dive in. Tell us about your spiritual journey. How did you end up doing student ministry, particularly to Muslims?
0: Yeah, so um, I have one of those stories with a lot of twists and turns in it, um, and a lot of it, I think, probably won't make sense to me, maybe, until my whole story is written and I'm looking back from eternity, um, but I came to faith either at four or 18. I know that sounds strange, but my mom was sharing the gospel with my older sister, and I learned to read by watching my older sister learn to read, and I was just listening, and I asked Jesus in my heart when I was four. Um. You know, but when you're four, you know it's hard to evaluate <laughs> yeah. your faith um, and the summer after high school, I got really more serious about the Lord because I was about to go on a missions trip with my previous youth group um and we were going to Mexico to build houses, and I just felt like, man, I really need to get my relationship with God in order if I'm gonna go do a missions trip um and God really. Open my eyes to, to see myself as an actual sinner, like not just on paper. Yeah. I needed Jesus died to die for me, but he really opened my eyes to some specific like spiritual pride, especially. Um, and I feel like that really launched my growth, um, as a Christian and on that trip, um, just, it was just like a week long trip, but my youth leader said, you know, I think God's planted a seed in your heart for missions. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, and then in college I I I I started to realize I wanted to be a missionary. I knew I wanted to be a Bible major and I kind of landed on Bible translation um and in retrospect it was a pretty uh, selfish motive. <laughs> um I thought I'd heard all these stories about missionaries going overseas and spending their whole lives there and and no one ever coming to faith and I thought, well, at least if I do Bible translation I can leave something concrete behind. So, um it was kind of like a way to like ensure that I had a legacy, which, you know, right. you could argue. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and then I did spend a year overseas um, pursuing Bible translation, and it was actually there that I got to spend time with a Muslim tribe. And I felt a really deep sense of calling towards Muslims, hmm. which was ironic because I remember in college thinking, OK, I'm. Pretty much open to whatever field, as long as I don't have to work with Muslims. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. And then how I got into international student ministry is an even longer story. But um, God connected to me to a colleague um, that I'd known from a, a long time back, and she invited me to come check out the ministry. And He just confirmed it in so many ways. So four years later, here I am.
1: Wow. What What are some of the biggest challenges facing students in general and muslim students in particular
0: yeah um you know i think they deal with a lot of stress um they're 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 just really busy i think that's a challenge for me too finding t- times to regularly connect with them um that they're available i think they're juggling a lot of things in their lives so they have really demanding coursework they're trying to make mm-hmm. friends they're trying to enjoy the us while they're here and all the tourist attractions um they're trying to make time for their family expectations or sometimes they're looking for a spouse and you know like any students they're struggling with procrastination and time management and they're doing all their studies in usually a second language so um i just think they're just super super stretched thin um say for muslims in particular some might face discrimination in their city or at school. Um, Some might struggle to find a faith community where they feel comfortable. Like if they're Shia or Sunni, they might not have both options available. Um, It might be really different from the way that um, their faith community worked back home. Um, They definitely Mm -hmm. miss home and food and family. Um, It's always food that they miss. Um, And then I think just the heavy weight of, like honoring their family Mm -hmm. uh, with their, with their, with their careers. Like, I think international students face more pressure with that and Muslims as well. So, and definitely there's always the struggle with loneliness for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, um, you know, uh, they have uh, come to the United States and there's a lot of money that is uh, put into that to, to send them here and uh, they have to succeed uh, to measure those, uh, to meet up, the, to meet those expectations, you have to measure up to that standard that your uh, parents or uh, if you've been sent by the uh, government on a government scholarship, all of those things are there. So of course, the pressure is going to be there. Um, yeah. So, so many people like, uh, uh, many people like pointing out the major generational differences of Gen, Gen Z Can you tell us, have you seen any truths to those differences and how they affect students' openness to faith and religion? And not just, uh, we're not just talking about Muslim students. I'm talking about uh, just, you know, in your experience, just general Gen Z population.
0: Yeah. um, You know, we did a training a while back as a team on reaching this generation, the Gen Z generation. Um, I think the one thing that definitely stands out to me as ringing true in what I see um, is the emphasis on authentic experience. So I think Mm. it was the way I heard it said was like, you know, this generation doesn't care as much about having a cohesive worldview. Mm. Um, So with apologetics, they're like not as motivated to, to engage. I mean, definitely still some are, but they're just really desiring something real. Um, so I think there's two ways that that provides opportunities, um, to talk about faith and religion. It's, um, I think when you can be a vulnerable, genuine person who's willing to invest in an authentic relationship, that can go a long way. And when they see that you have a, like a real relationship with God, um, they, they are more drawn to you, um, and then another thing is if you can provide opportunities for them to experience the presence of Christ, so before even before they come to faith, so that's through answered prayer. Um, if, you, if they participate in a worship service um, and they see God making an actual difference in their lives, that can be really attractive. Um, so I would say that's true across the board. They're looking for authenticity and experience. Um, And as far as that goes with Muslims, you know, I'm finding, I don't know if this is just because I work with female students um, more than men, but um, I'm finding that praying through their and talking through their felt needs is more effective than apologetics, like the Bible versus Quran kind of thing. Um, Mm. Yeah. And so I don't know if that's a generational thing or just maybe a gender difference. Um, I know, I know that my colleagues who work with guys like they're very, they're very interested in like wrestling through things. Apologetics or like looking at the Bible and looking at the Quran. I just haven't found that much, that level of like intensity with the girls. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I was, uh, uh, you know, I'm a pastor. So we are reflecting on uh, uh, the life of, uh, not life of uh, Paul, but in Galatians chapter, um, you know, four uh-huh. verses um Um, 12 through 20. uh, Finally, he comes to that point where he's talking about his relationship with the Galatians. This is a community that came to Christ, and now they are reverting back to work-based salvation. So he gives them argument, apologetical, uh, or uh, in in, in Paul's case, uh, doctrinal and uh, theological arguments, and then finally appeals to the uh, their relationship. And I think that's what it comes down to it. it, it we talking about 2000 years ago, that was the case and it yeah. has not changed. I think uh, relationship uh, speak uh, um, to hearts where uh, apologetics and other things, theological and doctrinal um, arguments may appeal to their brains and intellect, but they may not uh, uh, go deeper into their hearts. So I, I agree. Uh, it, it might be, you know, both uh, something yeah. that is uh, more prevalent now in this generation. Um, but it's not something that's, that's uncommon. It's been um, there. Yeah. It's been uh, uh, the case. Um, so does loneliness become a big issue for international students who may not be able to return home during school breaks?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of hit and miss. I feel like it's an unpredictable thing what they end up doing for their breaks. Um, A lot of students, like some of these students have a lot of uh, disposable income. Some do not, but a lot of them will just go on a gigantic road trip on their break, or they'll check out another city somewhere in the U S or they'll, you know, go to the beach. Um, It's like a chance for them to go exploring. And I think that's less of a lonely thing for them. It's more just an adventure time. But for the ones who do stay behind, I definitely think they can be lonely during school breaks. But I'd also say there's just a lot of loneliness throughout the semester as well. Like, you know, um, if you live in a big city, if you're not, if you're not in a dorm, if you're just in an apartment with like you don't connect with your roommates, you don't you maybe you haven't found your community. Um it it can just be, and I think the stress like when most of your time is devoted to studying, like you can really feel alone. You can really feel like just a number even throughout the semester.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I came as an international student and uh, some some time ago. Yeah. And uh, I think it was the uh, same, uh, you know, around the holidays, especially around mm-hmm. holidays, there, there is this aspect of loneliness. Um, And I often find it's, it is a, a good time for a christian community to show love and host these folks um but from your experience do you think international students would be offended or would welcome an invitation to a of uh, someone's home even though the celebration may be around a holiday that is not part of their own religious traditions
0: yeah i would say on the whole like definitely not i mean i there might be one, one person in a hundred that is going to take offense to that. But we just had a, a Christmas cookie party at, at a volunteer's home, like an older lady's home. And I think most of the students that came to that were Muslims. Um, we read through parts of the birth narratives of the gospel. Um, and they'd never like, I was a little nervous about, it. I was like, I wonder how they're going to take that. But like, we just kind of asked them, hey, had you ever read that be- through that before? And they were like, no. And we had a really great discussion about that. Um, I think, um, you know, I mean, the Quran talks about Mary, and a lot of Muslims have a really warm place in their hearts for her, but their, their narrative is so different. So it can really spark some great conversations. Um, I mean, I think about it like if I were to go over to, you know, Egypt during Ramadan, most i think egyptian families would want me to come over to their house and experience you know the dinner that happens after fasting um and they wouldn't necessarily expect that i'm a muslim but they they would want they would expect me to want to participate in that and so i think if you think of it as like a cultural exchange um and you know not to be a bait and switch like let them know if you're going to plan to read scripture or sing christmas songs or something like that um And let them decline to participate in anything they're not comfortable with, you know, Um, make sure the food, there's no pork, you know, make sure that they know what's in the food. Um, But yeah, I would say just like invite them and treat them like family. And that's going to cover a multitude of mistakes, you know, Um, it's going to overcome a multitude of cultural barriers, I think.
1: If someone been around church circles uh, long enough, they may have heard the story about Saudi student Amma coming to America with a suitcase full of gifts to give to all of the people who would uh, invite him to their home. But no one invited uh, him and he uh, brought all of those gifts back with him. This story is almost uh, cliche, but uh, based on your experience, is this story rooted in truth?
0: You know, it's funny. Actually, that reminds me of like a a story kind of with the flip side. I had a Saudi student and I was with her when she was about to go back home and she spent almost like a week and filled up a whole suitcase with gifts, you know, like expensive gifts for like so many different extended family members. So I definitely think culturally that makes a lot of sense. Um, I haven't quite seen that scenario, um, but the concept definitely rings true. Like you know, students still can spend their whole time in the States without making an American friend or entering an American home. And I think in a big American city, that's even more true. Um, And if you think about it, they're coming from such a warm, hospitable culture to like a colder culture with a like a isolating city experience. So I definitely think that is true and i think it's a huge missed opportunity for christians you know god's bringing these students all the way around the world and they're hungry for community and like i mean i think as the as the world gets more globalized they're less and less concerned to make an american friend um than they used to be uh but i mean i'd still say a lot of students are would really just welcome that opportunity to be in an american home and and
1: to make an American friend for sure, yeah. I often think about that. Um, you know, when what what kind of uh, impression um, these these students have? What kind of uh, American Christian impression they have? Yeah. Um, because simply because we don't act, we don't. Uh, so there's American Americans, and then there's American Christians um, yes. community. So those two are. Uh, we have to show them there is a difference between both of those yeah. uh, um, uh, lifestyles. Um, anyways, uh, another issue that often I see Im- among international community or students in general is the issue of mal- mental health. So, mental mm-hmm. health is a very big topic for students. Can you share how faith ties into that? Yeah,
0: um, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge concern for students. Um, yeah, at the, at the college I'm at, there's lots of resources for mental health. And yet I feel like it can be really hard. Cause you know, in a, in an international, in their home countries, there might be a, a stigma associated with getting help, or they might not trust this, the, the methods of the like mental health care professionals, um, in the U S um, and I also think there's just a, maybe a, a tendency to, to in their faith community or in their cultural background to just put up a good front, like you have it all together and then to deal more privately with your struggles. And um, like, even I, I, I mean, it definitely depends from community to community, but like even even there might not be a safe place to ask questions, like ask big, difficult questions, like to talk about, hey, I'm depressed or I have anxiety. And how does, how does that work with my faith? And, or like, I don't feel like my faith is addressing these problems and you're just not necessarily allowed or welcome to be that honest. Um, yeah. And, you know, on the flip side, you know, a secular inter, University is really pushing like mindfulness and meditation really hard. And some of those practices are benign and some of them can lead you down a dark path, you know. And so it's like it can just be a really confusing world for them to navigate. Um, so I think there's some opportunities to talk about faith and maybe in two ways, you know. Um, talk about like I didn't come from a Christian background where we had a lot of quote unquote spiritual practices, you know, like I basically just read my Bible and prayed every day. But I think as an adult in a different context, I've learned a lot about the value of silence and Sabbath. And we do have a rich history of meditation. It's just meditating on scripture, you know, or even just listening to worship, like all those things I do now for my own mental health. And so I can share that with them, like that I experience the peace and the joy of Jesus in these practices. And A lot of them are things that they, they can dip their foot in, you know, and they, it might open up a door for God to communicate with them about his son, you know? Um, and then I think secondly, just like any real friendship, you know, it's the scary things that we're going through the big feelings that we don't know how to process that actually, if you can share that in a safe space, it really does deepen your relationship and it can. You know, if you're if you're a safe person and you're not going to judge them and you're you're going to listen and then you're going to help them think through what they're going through. And then, you know, when they trust you, if you can point them to Jesus, I think you can't really ask for a better like a better way to meet them where they're at, you know, um, and and it's a way for like, you know, I, I, a lot of times I'll talk about the prophets, the Old Testament prophets and how honest and vulnerable and open they were with God about right, right. how they felt. So. I think And
1: I also think that it, it, the problem of uh, mental health is uh, not something people out there, like international students struggle yeah. with and are unable to talk about it. It's same thing here too yeah. uh, in the United States. And we are, uh, when it comes to advancement, we are way advanced in that area. It's been here, mental health uh, uh, professional, been working. Uh, here for some time, and we yeah. are uh, leading in that area, and at, at some extent, uh, and yet uh, we struggle to open up. It's uh, still yeah. the stigma that oh, like he is he's mentally not healthy. That's the idea is so primitive now, uh, but yeah. you know, the, but it's true that they consider you are, you know, you're not meant, mentally well. You're not yeah. mentally well, and that is it's not seen as like, okay, yeah, just like a health, bodily health, the rest of your body needs, uh, you need a healthy body, you need a healthy mind too. And it's all, not always that this cancerous thing. Sometimes yeah. a simple thing as, uh, oh, I got a cut. If there's a small cut on your, on your, you know, hand is going to hurt, still hurt. So it's still bodily health that you're talking about. If it gets infected, you're going to get even a worse impact of that. So yeah. mental health is a Difficult topic, even still here, uh, for people to open up and be honest and vulnerable. Uh, it's just still, I think, it's pretty new. Uh, yeah. Well, let me take you to the next question. Uh, what commonly held beliefs about student ministry, if any, uh, do you passionately disagree with?
0: You know, I think so far for me, all the stereotypes I can think of have been true.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so, yeah, I mean, like the the whole thing about um scheduling is really challenging, yeah. And like, you know, like appointments falling through, those definitely yeah. happen a lot. Um Yeah, I don't know. I maybe I need to think of some more stereotypes and then decide if I think they're true, but yeah.
1: Yeah. What are the ways that someone listening to this uh a podcast, this conversation could reach out to an international student? What what is the First step?
0: You know, um, I think just any ways you can think of to be a friend. Um, like I think of, especially with a Muslim student, I think it's okay if you first meet them to just invite them over to your house or invite yourself over to their house, you know? And mm. if you don't feel comfortable doing that, go out for a meal. Say, hey, do you have a good restaurant that you recommend? And then go out to eat with them. Um, And maybe people need a first step to just meet an international student.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, right, right. right. I think
0: if that's the case, like write down your top universities in your town and then um, do some Googling on whether there's a campus ministry there. Um, There's some really wonderful organizations that work specifically with international students. So Bridges International, um, InterVarsity, sometimes has an international arm, International Friends or IFI, and International Students Incorporated. Those are just a handful, but if you could if you could go to those organizational websites and contact them and say, "Hey, I have I'd really love to connect with internationals." Um, they should be able to connect you with someone who's local. And a lot of times, like in our organization, we'll just say, "Hey, come and see." So it's just a chance to say, hey, come to one of our events and see see what it's like, you know. So that's, mm-hmm. I think those two steps are good, good ways to get your, feet, get your feet wet.
1: Wow. Yeah, I agree. And uh, in this way, they will get to experience some love from uh, Christian community, but also we will get to experience some uh, cultural, um, yeah. uh, you know, new cultural aspect of their life. Uh, before we close out today's episode, is there anything else you would like to add?
0: Yeah. So um, I was thinking about this. Like uh, I've just seen in a lot of different contexts when it comes to Muslim ministry, um, one of the enemy's uh, favorite tactics, I think, is to, if you're interested in reaching Muslims, if or if you're if you're starting out, or if you're trying, or if you've been doing it for ten years, one of his tactics is to isolate and intimidate. So you know, he just tells you that you're terrible at this. You know, you're a weirdo. You're the only one in your community who cares about Muslims, maybe, and or you should quit because it's either really hard and really intimidating, or you're going to be bad at it. And mm-hmm. um, just the, all those strategies, I think that he has. And so I would recommend if you have a, if you find yourself with a heart for Muslims or just some interest, get a buddy that at least would be willing to listen and pray for you even better a community that are all pursuing a Muslim friend at the same time. Yeah. And learn to walk in your identity and authority in Christ. Cause we don't want to be a, unaware of the enemy's schemes. And he does not want Muslims come to come to faith. So just mm-hmm. don't be discouraged and don't let him don't beat yourself up and don't let him beat yourself, yourself up, I guess.
1: Yeah. No, I, that's, that's so such a good advice. And I was thinking about another uh, um, side of this argument because uh, most of the people who are Muslim are from the East and most Mm -hmm. of those cultures are tribal cultures. That means they're based on communal uh, aspect of life. Uh, They're not individualistic uh, uh, cultures like ours. So when we work as a community, they experience community. Otherwise, when you are individualistic, or individualistic approach is often seen as a suspicious approach, and yeah. it doesn't uh, uh, work well. But if it's a community that allows them to just relax and uh, be part of that, which reminds them uh, uh, their culture too, so I, I like that aspect. Anyways, uh, Elizabeth, if listeners wants to get in uh, get in touch with you, would it be best for them to reach out to you through the contact form on our website? Uh, yeah, that we would can, be great.
0: Yeah, yeah. perfect.
1: And uh, we can pass it on to you later
0: Awesome.
1: Um, now. And for the last thing, because we talk about heavy topics and uh, this is, uh, of course, we're talking about students, we're talking about health, mental health, we're talking about cultural differences and all those things. And in the middle of that, we're also talking about stereotypes, too. So I'm sure you got a few jokes uh, uh, there for us. So I would like to ask you to tell us a joke to lighten the mood
0: sure um i'm a big fan of dad jokes so they might not be laugh out loud jokes but one of my favorites is um okay uh what does a nosy pepper do
1: uh what
0: they get jalapeno business
1: uh-huh. I love it. <laughs> i'll make a note and i'll tell my son because yep. he likes my dad's jokes
0: yep that's one of my favorites. so much yeah,
1: thank you so much for being on the show again. That was uh, Elizabeth Wolf, campus minister. And thank you to all our listeners. We truly could not do this without you. If you learned something, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave us feedback, drop us a note at OurUrbanVoices.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tune in next week for more honest discussions from Diverse Voices.
0: You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.